Don't make it weird. Why do you gotta make it weird? Adam Fairholm, and you're listening to episode 36 of the Filmed Insert Music Video Land podcast. Uh, my name is Adam Fairholm, and with me as court-ordered is Doug Klinger. How are you doing, Doug? Super good. How are you, Adam? Good. Um, you can always <laughs> tell that we're on like the 80th take of this when we, when we start talking. When we start talking uh, like we're like this is a, is a joke and not serious uh because this is a serious thing we've got some some serious topics to cover on this week's show is that true adam it is true this is a big show we have on the podcast with us a guest that i with th- interview this is a great interview i think you guys will enjoy it with uh chike from creative control which is a directing duo slash uh tv channel or online tv channel um the directing duo is made up of uh, Kuti and Chike, who have directed some really fantastic stuff. Uh, some standouts are Erica Badu's video um, "Window Seat," as well as uh, one of the you know the video that really kind of blew up Kanye, which is "Through the Wire." Um, and so Chike is here to talk about um, making some of those music videos, uh, including the Kanye West one. He's got some great stories about that, as well as what they're trying to do with Creative Control, or what they are doing with Creative Control, sorry, uh, and you know their experiences with that, because it's a really interesting concept. They're doing some really cool stuff, and, uh, and it's a really, really fun conversation. That's, so that's coming up in the second half of the podcast. And then, uh, you know... But in the front half, what happens in the front half? Well, what happens in the front half is, I was just going to mention that it is uh, in the middle of the week, and last weekend, we were not just sitting around eating beef jerky on our front porch, we were out in the City of Angels, Los Angeles, or LA, or Los Angeles. Eating beef jerky out there. Exactly, yeah. And they have a a lot of it, actually. Surplus... Surplus of beef jerky, you're right. All goes out to Los Angeles. Well, yeah, Doug and I have wanted to go out to L.A. for a while because we talked to a lot of really interesting, you know, creative people on this podcast, and a lot of them are out in Los Angeles. So we decided why not go and hang out with everybody for a weekend. And We then did do that. We did. Um, we, stayed in Ho- we stayed in Hollywood, right? At, at the area. Days in, days in, in Hollywood. <laughs> Which was which was nice, and um, you know I'd never been to Los Angeles before. Uh, everybody was incredibly friendly, which which um, which I, I wasn't expecting anything, but that was that was a, a nice surplus or a nice plus. Even just people we just met in restaurants and stuff like that. They were really uh, yeah, really, they were very very nice. They uh, gave us there was a lot of massaging. There was a lot of massaging. People just give each other just impromptu massages on the street in Los Angeles. Uh, it was very warm and gracious and welcoming. Um, and then, so we decided, why don't we make this infinitely harder on ourselves? So we decided, what we're, um, you know, since we're going to be, uh, you know, meeting and hanging out with a few of the people that we've talked to on the podcast, why don't we do something for the site? So we brought along a camera and we made a, made a little video that's, that we're going to be releasing in a few weeks. Uh, that I'm I'm pretty excited about. It's gonna I, knock it's gonna knock your socks off. I think it is. We're uh, you know in many aspects we're blazing trails for promotional videos. Yes, this is definitely a trailblazer. This this promo video right here. That's for certain. You'll see everybody who we met with in the in the video, but uh, everybody who uh, we hung out with was really uh, it was really awesome. It was a really fun experience. We um and you know. I gotta say, LA is a really cool place, but you guys gotta do something about your airport. You gotta do something about that airport. Right. Doug and I were both stuck at LAX on the way back for seven hours, and not 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 a highlight of my life in terms of experiences. Um, I mean, LAX it's a big airport. People go through it a lot of time. You gotta guys, you guys gotta get your act together. You gotta clean it up. You gotta um, do a little bit of remodeling. Uh, you gotta get some people who care in there. Um, 
just j- just jazz it up a bit. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, just jazz it up. I mean, all people. I mean, look at I, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. RDU has a beautiful terminal. What do you think? You'd they got supr- something you'd you guys don't. Be surprised what some streamers would do. LAX. Some streamers, some mylar balloons, and because uh, those last longer than the, just the blow up ones. It's a pro tip from an airport to a veteran, and. Um, you know, since it was my first trip to LA, I thought I need to. I I would prefer it if I I saw some sort of celebrity somewhere. Assuming um, assuming that the people that we plan to see aren't celebrities already. Correct. Um, you know, I was I was thinking. You know, everybody when everybody go, all my friends who are out in LA, they're always tweeting like, "Oh, I'm just sitting in a coffee shop with Ryan Gosling, and we're having having fun, and he has a muffin." And uh, banana bread muffin, and I, you know, I'm a little bit jealous. So I thought it's probably gonna be me in LA. I'm gonna sit in a coffee shop, and and somebody famous is gonna walk in. It didn't happen until the last, like literally the last five minutes. I was in LA, um, waiting to get on my plane, and and Ron Jeremy walks by. So thank you, LA, for that um, trip complete. Trip complete. With that. Uh, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Ron Jeremy eating a muffin. I highly doubt. <laughs> Ryan Gosling was eating a muffin. All right, you don't get abs like that by eating muffins, okay? You're right. They're surprisingly high in calories. Now, uh, one of the highlights of the trip was going to the Doomsday screening. That's uh, true. We went to a Doomsday screening on Saturday. It was a screening of music videos, shorts, and some commercial work by artists associated with Doomsday Entertainment. And I don't know about you, Doug, but it was really cool to see music videos in a theater because this was a you know a theater. It was sitting down in the dark in a theater watching watching a screen, which was which was really fun. I think seeing anything in a theater these days for me is rare. I think I maybe go to the movies like a handful of times a year. So um, yeah, any anytime I see see some anytime I'm watching something with more than one person, like it, it, if it's ever just not me and my girlfriend then it's probably something significant. So seeing anything in a big big room of people has has some meaning behind it, I think. Yeah, and especially music videos because, I mean, there was never a time, you know, when you watch movies on demand or on your iPad or whatever, you can kind of say, oh, music, you know, movies, you used to watch them in a theater, and now we don't really do that anymore. But music videos were always really made for consumption on TVs or the Internet. So uh, it was really neat to... to see them in a cinematic context and some of the videos just really um shone in that context we uh they screened hero Mirai's uh video for saint vincent cheerleader uh which was definitely a different experience than watching on a computer i think because the music is really uh cinematic and and really kind of powerful it kind of it really came through you know in that environment Another one that really shines is the Dave Green Nudgeon Puppies music video, which um, you really get to see some of those subtle nuances of the urine streams that that come from those puppies. Because uh, you know, without without that giant screen, you you wouldn't know some of the things that they were doing there, and uh, and it was really uh, meaningful to the piece. It was, uh, and you know, I actually noticed some things, just little nuances they were doing with the, you know, with the water streams, you know, here and there that I that I really didn't notice when I had I'd seen the video previously. So, and I think that was definitely a crowd favorite from the comedy perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It's something about like, like people laughing behind you that like really, especially when it's something that you knew was coming. That like you know, stuff in those Nudge and Puppies videos, like kind of like the reveal, really got people. It seems like because it, it doesn't really start out as jokey as it as it kind of ends, and and the reveal of the dogs peeing and stuff like that really got people going. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much. And the screening ended with a what I believe is, I mean, I can't find any mention of it anywhere, so I'm pretty sure it's an unreleased video, and that is uh, the new Foster the People video for Houdini. Uh, directed by Daniels, and I'm sure it's coming out relatively soon, and it is a really fantastic video. I, I, people were, I think, really, um, I was blown away by it. It was, uh, I mean, Daniels, yeah, was, Daniels was, I mean, anything Daniels does is, is you know, obviously really solid, but uh, this was really kind of a standout. They, they, they just kind of continue to outdo themselves, and uh, yeah, this one is uh, no different. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on release because I can't find it anywhere either, and I feel like 
that would be the video that everyone would be talking about right now. Right. We should be the we should be the guys who know this. We shouldn't be like, "Mer, I think things," but we are. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, we can say with certainty it is not released. Yeah, we can be we can be certain. We're we're we are those guys. We're solid professionals in every sense of the word. No, so, we're journalists. That's right, we are journalists. I did have to take a journalism uh, like quiz one time uh, for for a school activity. So I, I learned a few things. Like for instance, you're not supposed to imply that people are ugly or have other you, you know you're not supposed to imply things. By but with your language, you know. You and know, by that, what, and by that, what are you implying? Well, it's like um, if somebody might have, if you're reporting on a crime, and you're saying like there's two suspects, you can't be like, uh, two. There's two suspects. One is Steve, uh, who is you know is a grimy asshole, and then the second one is uh, is Ben, who has a completely clean record. Has never done anything, and Steve, uh, he stole a he stole a pack of um, he stole some Funyuns from a Seven Eleven when he was fifteen years old, just including little uh, details like that that are completely you're not unrelated. Supposed to do that because like, I feel like I see that stuff all the time. No, you're general. not. Yeah, you're not supposed to do it, but people huh. people do it anyway. Huh. Well, well, you've we got don't. like we don't. These these journalists don't. These us us journalists don't. Right. Never ever. As you'll see. As you'll see. Uh, as you'll see, played out in spectacular fashion in this in this upcoming interview. That's right. And as I mentioned before, at the top of the show, we're talking to Chike of the directing music video uh, and other short film directing duo, um, Creative Control, which is made up of Kuti and Chike. Um, and uh, like I mentioned before, go ahead and check out their videos on the uh, site. The two you should definitely watch for this interview are Erica Badu Window Seat as well as Kanye West Through the Wire. Um, um, and you can find you can find their work on, on two places. There's their think their work is is credited in various ways. So there is a Kudi and Chike page on Filmed Insert as well as a Creative Control page, and they don't necessarily have the same videos because they are credited differently so check them both out that's right and uh, so here we go it's their interview with a creative controls chike i'm one half of the directing team kudi and chike i'm chike um I'm from New Orleans originally. Cootie's originally from Chicago, and um, we both met in New York. I uh, came to New York through Savannah, Georgia, where I went to college to art school in Savannah, and uh, worked was working at MTV for about four years right out of school, doing motion graphics and packaging up various shows um, at the network, and then that's where I met Cootie, a, a friend of mine, Yasmin, who was a producer at MTV at the time. Cootie was helping her produce the You Hear It First on Kanye. And so she, uh, per the, through their conversations, she just realized that we had a lot of common and figured that we should probably meet each other. And uh, and we did. And, you know, Cootie came to Chicago, I mean, to, to New York by way of Chicago. And in Chicago, he had a a, a real, a, a pretty famous uh, public access show at the time called Channel Zero that still runs, actually. But he founded it a long time ago. And, and uh he had been filming Kanye for some time, probably since Kanye was around 17, 18. Um, and so he's amassed. You can imagine the amount of footage he's amassed on Kanye from that time period. Mm-hmm. So they had a relationship already, and and he kind of brought me into that mix. And once he realized what I was doing, we actually just kicked it for a year. I don't even think we talked about work or did any work. Cootie's like a really outgoing person, so he was just he's just a lot of fun to be around in general. And so he actually had my roommate kicking it with him a lot. My roommate doesn't even kick it. Like that, so I was like, "Damn, dude, must be a lot of fun in my roommates." Kick, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so then we started kicking it, and we kicked it for a while. And then one day we just had a conversation about film, and that's when I found out about Channel Zero, and he was showing me some of his work. And you know, for somebody that never went to school for film, and that you know, he just had an innate talent, not only uh, for the how he was putting his shows together, but pe- even just behind the camera and how he was filming things. You know, and coming from art school, like I understood that talent. Cause like I had a talent, and that's why I went to art school. But at art school, like I cultivated, understood what made me talented. You know what I mean? Where he had like a raw talent, and, mm-hmm. and it was consistent. So I was like, man, do you realize like 
how dope your shots are and the way you're using negative space and this and this and that. So it was cool. Like we just started vibing and we just both shared a lot of ideals when it came to filmmaking, period. You know what I'm saying? And later as our relationship got stronger, we realized that we had just had a lot in common. He's like my older brother in a sense because I'm the only child and he's much older than me. So we kind of have like a, a older, younger brother relationship as well. You know what I mean? Just in life in general. So it was cool. Well, we wonder if you could if you could take it a bit back to the partnership because it, you know it's not uncommon that you will find you know two people that have you know that think similarly and that work well together and then they do a little bit together. But uh, the two of you have have kind of continued to work together over a period of time. Is there a yeah. reason why you guys have just decided you know through success to not try try to do your own thing to to keep it together the way you have done? I think a lot of things. A lot of it was the fact that we're actually like like he's like my best friend. You know what I'm saying? So I think more than anything it's more like our friendship is really tight so it's like when you're traveling and, and you're doing projects together like he's he's Cootie's incredible so he could do he could do this stuff on his own if he wanted to you know what i'm saying and and in my own self i feel like i could do it on my own too i mean obviously i think together we both have contrasting um sort of styles too so it makes it even stronger when we do collaborate but i don't think that's the main reason we collaborate to me i think it's just because we enjoy each other. We enjoy each other's company. It's more fun to share memories and stuff when you're traveling and shooting videos with somebody, and then be doing it by yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um, but then there's also something special about, you know, when we do come together. Like we both come from different, uh, even though we share the same ideals in filmmaking, we both come from different backgrounds as far as our approach to film. So that contrast makes it interesting when we do something together. So that's Cootie has a very raw, rugged style from shooting and documenting a lot of stuff in the street. That's where you get that raw, you know, aesthetic from. He, you get the soul from, from he has a very old soul. He loves old movies. You know what I mean? So you get a lot of that soul. Anything that kind of is very more on the artsy side, that's usually for me trying to, you know, go to outer space with shit and, and, uh, and, um, implement a lot of like high art as much as possible you know anything with typography or anything that where i can bring like just more like a, a higher level of art to it um really pushed composition and whatnot that comes from me so we do have a special like when our two styles come together it does create its own style in a sense and and you know that's what happens when we both do things together and uh, where did you uh, where'd you go to art school i went to savannah college of art and design in georgia and you know, you mentioned that you were doing motion graphics for yeah. for MTV. Yeah. Uh, when was that, and what, what kind of? Um, that was two thousand. I finished college in two thousand, so I started MTV. Actually, it had to have been in the November of two thousand. I feel like I finished school in around May. I had already finished school. I finished a little bit early. I finished like a quarter, we were in a quarter system. Mm -hmm. I finished a quarter early, and so I already moved to New York and started working. Got the job at MTV around November. And uh, and so yeah, from pretty much two thousand two thousand and four, I was doing that. And you know when you when you guys you know did the video for Kanye West uh, through the through the wire video, you guys weren't creative control then, right? There, where yeah. where, where did that uh, you know where did that video um, come from? What was the genesis of that? Of of creative control or just the through the wire? Oh, through the wire. Sorry, through the wire was great because Cootie was out. So at that point, Cootie was with Kanye out in, in L.A. I'm still in MTV working. But we had met, and and Cootie and Kanye were having conversations. Kanye was really interested in figuring out how he. Could. You know, at the time, a lot of videos were being letterboxed, and then people started putting things in the letterbox. But that's how they were starting to frame up most of the the hip hop videos. And so Kanye wanted to do something different than the typical letterbox style framing. And so um, him and Cootie thought, I don't know which one came up with the first. It was probably Cootie, but came up with the idea of let's let's frame stuff up within a photograph, a Polaroid, you know? Mm -hmm. And then that's when they called me because they knew what I did at MTV as far as designing and packaging things and they were they had the concept already together. So they come with the concept to feel like, okay, how can this look? Can you come up with like a way for us to you know, a cool way that this can look and a cool way to execute this. So they already knew that they wanted to like put footage within the Polaroids. So then that's when I kinda put a team together and and help come up with some designs and then and we had a really cool layout that looked really cool and then, and then I remember there was this book called Facebook or not Facebook but uh, it might have been called Facebook this magazine and it had an Adidas ad and an Adidas ad had like this this um corkboard with all this like scrapbook stuff pinned up on a corkboard and it was similar to we were already going with the scrapbook concept 
but we didn't have the corkboard idea. So that kind of brought it all together when we saw that image. And then, you know, we started executing it from there. And, you know, and I heard you actually used MTV's facilities to kind of finish that video, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> not, not supposed to, but, man, you know, I've been there for a while and I had a lot of friends in there, so I had relationships all throughout that building. I mean, we were up on so many we were up in Nickelodeon, we were up at, at VH1. I had a friend who was a flame artist, and so he was working in a lot of different buildings, so we definitely was milking that opportunity. You know, but that's what MTV was at the time. You know, it was a lot of young artists and, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, pay you incredibly well so but they always left it open for you to kind of like you know take advantage if you had extra time to edit stuff and whatnot so you know it wasn't really an issue but we definitely burnt the midnight trying to put that together and um you, you know back then uh you know during during that time in you know, the early 2000s you know the internet you know youtube wasn't around uh, vimeo wasn't around you know the, the video wasn't really you know possible on the internet on a wide scale so when you have like a video like that you know and you're finished with it you know, what did you guys do for distribution? What were the options open to you guys? Man, there was no there was no option. That was strictly, okay, give it to the label. Chica, you're at MTV. Can you talk to somebody over there to see if they'll put it up? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's pretty much what it was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, how did that, uh, you know, in the first, you know, few years or few months after you finished it, what happened to it? Uh, Man, it was, it was running on MTV, like, every single day you know what i mean it had to be it has to have some kind of record on mtv for like the most video i mean like at the, the slot at number one for the mm-hmm. longest because i swear it was up there all the time you know at the time i was still working there so like we have the obviously tvs are in the room and the videos like airing all the time while i'm at work <laughs> you know what i mean making it more difficult for me to like want to be at work like i need to be because you know i want to direct full time at this point that's what i want to do so and so was was it based on the success of that video that you guys decided to kind of put the creative control TV thing together, or did was there still more jobs? Nah, that you kind man, of- it was so much more that happened that transpired in between that for then the creative control thing to make sense. Like the creative control thing definitely has a meaning behind it. It's definitely not like we sat down and had a think tank about it. It definitely comes from like years and years of just like you know trying to bust through these doors and nobody really trying to let a door open for you. You know what I mean? Um, after we did that video, we got a lot of good, great feedback. I wanted to believe in MTV and we wanted to move out to LA. Um, we, we had, um, loosely signed with William Morris film agency. So we're out there really just trying to get some, get a movie under our belt. But in the interim, you know, obviously at that time we, when we went out there, we had a meeting set up. We thinking we're going to jump off the plane and shoot a movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> You just have those pipe dreams, you know what I mean? So not realizing the politics and just and just really how it all works. And it really took, I mean, that, that was a harsh reality for us, you know? Um, getting out there and just having to play the game. And it was great. We met a lot of people out there. We got to really learn the business, you know, had scripts thrown at us. A lot of scripts weren't like the type of scripts that we wanted to take because granted, yeah, it might have been like a quick lick to make some money, but, you know, we're all about the integrity and how our peers kind of like look at us. A lot of our peers share the same line of work. You know what I mean? So a lot of their opinions are important and how they perceive you is important. So, and just how we perceive ourselves and, and, and maintaining like your integrity and, and what you want to do and, and for the longevity. So the long, we're in this for the long run. So that's important to us not to just, they were just throwing just, you know, kind of typical like, and probably being like black directors, we definitely were getting like typical urban, like action comedy, just stuff with no substance, no content. And, you know, I feel like we're too intelligent and too educated to go out like that, basically. You know what I mean? You know, the whole reason why, I mean, on my behalf that I got into wanting to do music videos for hip hop because I felt like that they were not that great. I felt like there was a couple of directors that monopolized the hip hop video scene that were doing good videos. But other than that, this shit was trash. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, no artistic it wasn't artistic at all like and it was giving hip-hop a bad rap you know and i felt like we should they should have better videos and i felt like there was a void of doing really creative videos within hip-hop i felt like you see alternative video and that that's really creative and you expect that you see like a rock video that's super creative like those nine inch nails videos and was it nine the two videos i mean like those two videos and they like you expected that. 
but you don't expect that for hip hop. What do you expect? You expect a bunch of girls shaking their ass by a pool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's what it was. So, well, because it was so, your approach was so unexpected. I mean, was it difficult to find artists to work with? I mean, there's it's not every day that an artist is willing to do the things that Kanye West is willing to do in their videos and stuff like that. Was it difficult to find people that that shared that vision? You know what? Surprisingly, it was. <laughs> that's what's crazy. <laughs> like. It was like, man, I figured like, okay, we do the, I feel like, man, everybody's going to want to be creative and this and that. And it's like, no, like nobody really wants to be creative. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's funny because you think like, man, these artists, they're not speaking for everybody, obviously. And I can't even name a name. I wouldn't ever, I would never name a name. But, you know, these artists that you look up to that are so talented and you're like, man, how can they be so talented in one regard, but be like so like... Limit, limit, limited in another regard. You know what I mean? Like, how would they not want to put the best visual on their on their video? You know, something really different and creative. So, nah, you know, it was like you had so much love for something, but it didn't really love you back. Like, that's what I took from hip hop. You know, because nobody wanted to be progressive on the videos. There was a small few. Everybody wanted to play it safe. And I can't say like if it's the artist, there's a lot of politics. The label, you know, the labels. All they care about is is the video going to play on BET. And their perception of BT and BT is like, well, we need videos with girls shaking their butt because that's what our viewers want. Like, it's a crazy circle. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And nobody wants to break the cycle because of fear of not getting the viewership, which at the end of the day then goes all the way back to advertising, which comes down to money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, Well, I thought we could talk about a few, um, a few specific videos. Uh, and one of them that definitely seems, or an artist that definitely seems to be open to doing something different is Erica Badu. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the um, video is Window Seat, which is just yeah. a, a really, I mean, you know, nowadays on the internet, there's there's not a lot of, you know, videos that we look at and we're just sort of glued to the screen the entire time trying to, you know, wondering what's going to happen next. And this is yeah. one of those videos. Um, so, um, and it's inspired by a Matt and Kim, Kim video, uh, Lessons right. Learned. I was wondering if, you know, and, and Erica Badu has a directing credit as well as, as well yeah. as you guys. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you could walk us through the, uh, the genesis of that video and as well as the production process of it. Well, basically like Erica, um, hit us up. We, we had, while we were all together in the office, we had met Jay Electronica and Jay, I was obviously a fan cause I'm from New Orleans and both from the same area. So, you know, we were speaking to Jay and Jay had gone back to Erica and was like, telling us like man you need to mess with these dudes like they're they're dope you need to mess with them and then obviously dame was was in her air force and really like champion like man i'm telling you you got to mess with with uh Kuri chico next video so you know she wanted to do it and she, honestly she had the idea already like she came with the idea she already had a vision of what she wanted to do she just needed us to help her execute it you know mm -hmm. and um and it was a beautiful day and like we flew down to, to dallas um you know, she had a reason. I can't even say, like, I don't speak on it too much because it's like she had a reason for why she wanted to do that video. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and, and had she not had that reason or been in that headspace, that video would have not got done. You know what I mean? It was more of a, a passion for her to get that idea out. You know what I mean? And, um, and so when we got down there, Basically, once we she told us the idea, we just had to figure out, okay, what's the best way, our best approach that we can actually pull this off? You know what I mean? And uh, and so we did some rehearsals in her house, and we actually did some rehearsals. And it's funny because like I I actually shot the rehearsal in the house, which was very easy because there was no pressure. And <laughs> and then yeah, you're was, not out in the on a Dallas street, yeah. Yeah, and then we <laughs> shot like a rehearsal on the street, and then it was like we were all it was me. And Cootie was like, we had to figure out who's going to shoot. You know, the reality came the day of the shoot. Like, okay, so who's going to shoot it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've shot the rehearsal, but Cootie's actually, you know, to me, a stronger. He's stronger behind a camera because he's been doing it for much longer. So, and he has a great eye. So it was like, you know, but Cootie was like, nah, I'm, I'll shoot it. Fuck it. I'll shoot it. Like, he really came on some Michael Jordan shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Which, uh, which was dope because it's like, you can't fuck that up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we have one chance at getting that, and we did a rehearsal with her like late night the day before, and it's crazy because on the day of, or the day that we we were gonna shoot it, so much stuff happened. Like we wanted to, I don't even think we did it that day. Like I feel like Cootie can tell the story the best because I went on set waiting for them, and Cootie stayed back with her while she was getting like 
all that you know how you see evolution all those things on her mm -hmm. like she was getting all that stuff um put on her back and whatnot and so he was in the house filming her and then when they went to go leave like they, they had trouble with the car the car wound up breaking down and smoking and it was crazy because like we kept on we thought she was just nervous and didn't want to you know because she was a little bit nervous you know what i mean but you know the whole time cootie shot like two three other videos <laughs> on their way to the like we actually have like a documentary that we started working on that covered the whole that whole scenario you know because a lot of stuff was going on while we were we were down there in the mix of doing it but um so i don't remember if we shot that i think we might have having to shoot the next day because of the time or they might have just came late and we shot or whatever we might have shot that day also but cootie he shot the whole thing i just really sat behind him and made sure he didn't get hit by a car because it was crazy <laughs> Um, we had to cross the street and whatnot, but nobody could, you know, he couldn't take his eye off of her. The whole thing was shot on like a, uh, we had one of those Merlin Steadicam joints. So he was holding that. And, uh, man, it happened so fast, you know, really one person screamed out. I think it happened so fast that other people didn't even really get to see, really realize what happened. Like, you got to realize, like, we shot the video in slow motion. So, and so we, which means we sped the song up, um, uh, like a certain match to speed the song up. I think it was like tw two times. So it actually, that's how fast the video was. So it was really like a minute and 45 seconds, something like that, that it actually took to do that whole thing. So it happened relatively quick. And when but, you talk about, the, when you talk about the rehearsals, is that like, uh, did the rehearsal go the full length too? Like she took in like the rehearsals at night, she took her clothes off as well during those, those. No, nah, she never took her clothes off. Actually, she did take her clothes off at the rehearsal we shot in the house, but she just got down to like her bra and her panties. Actually, we put that out, I think, on Creative Control, the rehearsal. And it's dope because it's in her crib. So you really, it's more intimate, you know what I mean? And like she's got this, this ill, like, I think she was watching like a Akira or something, was like this anime that was projected on the wall. So like she walks by that, it's an ill shot where like that just kind of, the, the um, projection kind of covers her face, but it's like manga animation, so it's kind of cool, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the one in her house is dope. It's a whole different type of vibe. But, um, and then when we went out there, we didn't really shoot. We just we just mapped the steps out so we could figure out where 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 to start so we could figure out where to land because it was important that she finished right by where um, the X, where it lines up where Kennedy got assassinated, you know what I mean? So that was very important to the concept of the video. And I can't believe you guys didn't get uh didn't get arrested you guys just ran away and, and i mean immediately afterward was there was there any repercussions i mean you know the only repercussions was the fact that it it, it was so viral so yeah. that's when everybody saw it and that's when it's like i guess the cops decided she did get fined i believe like 500 dollars or something i mean they probably had to do something but i don't know i think an intern it brought a lot of awareness to the grassy know a lot of people probably even thinking about either you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. so they couldn't have been that mad at it you know what i mean <laughs> like it, it and and i think um you know, I loved it. I loved the fact that it spawned conversation. You know, it definitely was on the fence. You had a lot of people that loved it, and you had a lot of people that didn't like it. You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, well, especially when you're mixing, you know, like the Kennedy assassination with, uh, yeah. with sort of, you know, this really interesting viral video. That's that's definitely a recipe for some uh, for some controversy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so. You know what we find really interesting about you know creative controls. You you go on the website and it's got you know music videos, but it's also got you know like sh shows and shorts and you know you have the odds and ends section there. Yeah. Um, you know I was I was really interested in what your vision is for creative control going down the road because now you know now bandwidth is plentiful. You can do a lot with video. Um, you know. Channels aren't, you know, things on cable that you order through Comcast anymore. I mean, people get their entertainment through different ways. So what, yeah. do you, what are you guys looking to do with Creative Control into the Man, future? so much. I guess let me first start the question because I know one thing you were trying to get at and I, I didn't really answer for you was probably like how we actually got the name and how that formed, mm -hmm. you know. And, um, and really it just the name came from the fact that when we were out in L.A. and all that stuff and just like having a lot of doors shutting our faces, pitching stuff to people, this and that, we just got tired of it. And it was like, man... You know, we need to we need to figure out a way to maintain creative control because when you're doing stuff with agencies and whatnot, a lot of times they come up with the creative and then and then they bring you on and and then ask you for ideas, but then they want to water those ideas down. So it was always like the finances and the money side of things always killed 
the creative side of things. And we were like, man, we need to figure out a way to put our position, put ourselves in a position where we have creative control. Pretty much we're executive producing our own products and nobody can really tell us what to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, so that's where the, the and that's when we started a production company only because we, re- we learned the business. And, you know, we were signed to production companies and it's like we would get the video and then they would get it 20% uh, cut off the top from the, you know what I mean so it's just like dang and we're not in the video but it's already low because video started budget started getting low so just in understanding the whole politics of like like damn we need a production company because it's like we're not making enough money as directors on directing the video so we definitely need to figure another revenue stream we need to make a production company so we can get a 20% cut as well for the production company and hire a producer you know what I mean so the production company we had was called Creative Control which the logo came from, if you look at the logo, it's there's two C's. It's, it was our logo, Cootie and Chike, at first. So when we used to put out our, send out our treatments, it used to be Cootie and Chike with that logo. And then when we made came with Creative Control, we're like, well, shit, it still has the two C's, so that can be the logo. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, and it's still because a lot of people read into that logo and they're like, damn, it's a, you know, is it a noose or whatever? Like, <laughs> it's kind of like, well, it's kind of cool. It just meant because, you know, we always roll together and, and we do, we direct everything together. So, the rope is just a signal. It's just a knot that kind of ties us together, like as our bond as directors. You know what I mean? And then, uh, but it's kind of cool because it looks like a broken noose, which I like. Like just symbolic. It's like, yeah, okay, cool, a broken noose. Like we you know that shit is over with, and we're breaking old traditions to start new traditions. You know what I mean? So that was kind of cool. And then, um, but to answer your question, like Cootie, when I was in, and when I was in, when I was still working at MTV, Cootie was like, man, he just read this book called Keys to Success. And he was like, gee, we have to pick a goal and we have to stick to this goal because you have to have your ultimate goal and direction and know where where you're going in order to move forward. Otherwise, you'll just be moving in circles. So he's like, let's pick. I'm like, well, what do you want to do? What's the goal? What what do you think the goal? He's like, he's like, well, I want to I want to own a network. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. And I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here working MTV. And he's talking about owning a network like MTV. (laughs) I'm looking at him crazy. Like, what? And yeah. I'm, I'm like, you know, shit, you know, that's my man, so I'm ride or die. So I'm like, well, bet, that's what it is. That's what we're going to do. You know what I mean? And that's when we did the first day we took, I guess, subconsciously took those steps forward once we declared exactly what it was that we wanted to do. And it's funny because, like, yeah, our network, we have a network now online. It's not as big as MTV, but it's a network. And we said we were going to do a network, and it, and it is branded, and people know about it now. You know what I'm saying? So obviously we're at the very bottom of where we want to be at, but eventually we would love to be in a, in every household, you know what I'm saying, outside of just being on the internet. I mean, really talked about, really be known as a, as a network that's really changing the course of of not just hip-hop, but really showing an honest depiction of culture, you know what I'm saying, of different cultures. Like our whole thing is like we're like documentarians of you know what I mean? And we're documenting cultures from art and music and fashion and, you know, and we're growing as the world grows and as these cultures grow, we're growing with them. You know what I mean? So it'll never get old. It'll never get stale. For example, we, we we're starting to do, to do music. Like that's how kind of like the Joey Badass stuff, because we represent the Joey Badass comes because we recognize all these artists in the past that we've, we've been responsible for kind of branding them at the beginning of their career. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, damn, we've done it with Kanye. We've done it with Pitbull. We've done it with Stiley. We've done it with Currency. You know what I'm saying? We've helped brand all these artists, and we've always been very careful of who we aligned ourselves with. So we were like, man, is, there's something there that the fact that we, obviously, we, we, we know something in the sense of picking certain artists. You know what I mean? And we align ourselves with certain artists that seem to become very successful. So we're like, you know, when you start putting those efforts into our own artists you know what i mean like because we'll do that but they the artists either there's no infrastructure set up so the artists can't they have to go do their thing you know which means either at the time go sign with labels or whatnot so we just really started figuring out man we need to start wrapping infrastructure around that or partnering with people where we can use leverage our resources and they can leverage their resources and we can start putting out these artists and that's kind of how with joey uh, situation came with because we would do with Shipes, um, Johnny Shapiro. We kind of did a similar thing with Crit, except there was no business wrapped around it at that point. It was just like we kind of put a visual on, on a couple of visuals on Crit, and, and, and it definitely uh, 
helped him secure, uh, you know, his deal and whatnot and, and, and get a, uh, get a brand going. And, um, he's doing his thing. So like with Joey's the first time, you know, with, with Shipes was like, look, I got this artist, check him out. Let's do him together. And he played him for me. And I was sold from day one. Like, man, yeah, we gotta, we gotta do that. So that's kind of Joey came out of that, but that was an evolution of, for us of how we're trying to evolve creative control, where we want to put artists out. We want to start, um, we want to continually build our audience, you know what I'm saying? So that we can start creating, you know, this whole thing of television is all built around advertising. And advertisers get with you because they want to attach themselves to your audience because that's where they usually want to sell their products to. And if you have a lock on your audience, then advertisers, you know, you do deals with advertisers. The only thing is like, you know, I'm we're really into like, products and branding. I don't see any difference between branding an artist that I do see in branding a box of cereal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, to me, it's the same. It's the same thing. You know, obviously different things change because there's two different, they're, they're two different things, but the approach is very similar. So that's one thing that we want to, we want to be able to build the audience so that we can start developing even products that, that we know resonate more to the culture that we exist in. You know what I'm saying? Like I was talking about the other day, when's the last time, like when you eat cereal, you probably eat like either some nostalgic shit from when you was a kid, like <laughs> crunch or something, or some super healthy shit like Kashish or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's now it's our generation. Where is our Captain Crunch? You know what I'm saying? Like, we have, we're doing great as far as building up these new musical acts. I think streetwear and everything has blossomed and we, we were definitely a part of that scene. And I think you can see, like, you can see definitely the, uh, you know, the influence of our culture within streetwear, but where do you see the influence of our culture within products, like new products? These are, you, I have all these old staple brands that have monopolized these products. Like, when are, when are we going to touch that field? So that's the type of stuff we want to do. We want to put out cereals. We want to put out, you know, um, drinks. We want to put out different products that resonate with the audience that looks at our content. You know what I mean? So they all kind of go hand in hand. It's all a lifestyle at the end of the day. It's all creating experiences for people. And that's what we want to do. We want to create experiences. We want to create products. We want to create music. But the through line is the content. The content is is what you, we're leveraging to be able to do all that. You know what I'm saying? And the content is like, it's almost like we're creating industry out of content. Our tool isn't the money. Our tool isn't coming in as execs. Our, our tool is building industry off of creativity. You know what I mean? And, you know, in that whole, you know, umbrella of, of creative control, all those, you know, those pieces of content, you know, where do you see, what's the role of music videos alongside, you know, like a show or a short? You know, what, are they the most popular? Are they um, a, a, more of a, a side thing? Are they front and center? Nah, I think um, they're definitely the most popular. You know what I mean? Like music videos definitely generate the, the, the traffic the fastest. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so which is good because people love. I think people resonate. The music is like outside of the visual. The music is this. This is like the next major ingredient. You know, when people it it makes the clips. I mean, it goes hand in hand with the content. So, um, music videos definitely get you know the most love on the on the uh, on the site or even just virally when we when we put it on other sites. And you guys have anything? Uh, any music videos you guys are working on now that are in the pipeline? Yeah, right now we're currently shooting a second installment for for Joey's album for 1999. We're shooting nice. Hard Knocks. The album's crazy. I mean, this kid is incredible. You know what I'm saying? And not even just him, his whole crew. Like people got to realize, like Joey's a part of a crew, and they're all incredible. Like really, like Joey's just the first person that we put a visual on, so he's the first one to get a lot of the love. It doesn't take away from anybody. Everybody in the crew can stand up alone on their own right. All right, and they're just as talented. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the crew is it's just like the other kid on Survival Taxes is Joey and Steez, and Steez is a beast. You know what I mean? Right. And you've got other members in the group. You got CJ Fly. You got Kirk. There's a female in the group, and they're all like really incredibly talented. Like it makes no sense. I never <laughs> anybody under 25 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like I used to be like, well, what can they tell me? <laughs> you yeah. know. But I listen to this kid. Like I'm listening to his music when I'm in the gym, and I listen to everybody in his crew's music, and they're really talented. So I think there's a whole renaissance going on too. You know, with just music. Like there's a lot of other cats in New York that's killing the game right now. This kid Wiki, you know, um, 
I think is really talented. Like, I think I think it's just, and they're young. These 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 are kids, man. It's like you gotta understand. I was telling somebody the other day, you gotta understand. Like, hip hop hasn't been around for like you know six seventy years and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It hasn't been around for a long time. Like in the early eighties was really when you know late seventies, early eighties is really when it started kind of forming. So we've been able to witness this. We have no clue what the what the age bracket is you know what i'm saying you know i was telling somebody today all i know is when i was when i was 15 and when i was 16 when i was 17 i definitely don't remember listening to a 40 year old rapper or a 35 <laughs> you know what i'm saying so i feel like now that we're getting older these kids are starting to listen to themselves you know what i'm saying because they relate more to themselves so the game is going back to like you know it's just the first time we're seeing it kind of recycle you know yeah, this is definitely a huge time for hip hop videos and and artists in general, yeah. uh, and we're seeing that. I mean, like a lot a lot of the you know fantastic music videos coming through for hip hop hip hop artists, um, just a lot of great stuff that that we're seeing that's coming through. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 uh, another point about the the groups that are kind of coming out right now. You know, these people. You know, it was before the guys would kind of like, you know, one guy would get on and then he would be kind of like dragging his guys up from the bottom up yeah. until up into stardom. And, and then these days it seems like, you know, there's not that much of a drop off from the next guy and the next guy down. It, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's it's a lot different what we're finding. Yeah. And, and they're it's definitely doing this stuff with music tribe, videos. You know, when Tribe Called Quest and them used to, when they were, you know, when they were young, they were like 16 and 17 in high school rapping and crews were being formed and they lost so all that. That's all happening again. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And they're able to kind of do their own thing, you know, the kind of thing you're like finding with like, uh, you know, guys like Tyler, the creator and Odd Future. They're they're able to like get their hands on on equipment to be able to kind of put on put out their own kind of style of stuff without having a yeah. kind of appease to to other people. And they're able to kind of do their own thing without having to worry about stuff. And, and absolutely. Technology's opened those doors so much. I mean, the combination of just the Internet along with the uh, these SLR SLR cameras. It's amazing yeah. to see, like, what's going on. I mean, I just remember when the internet came out when I was young. I remember, like, being like, what the hell? This is crazy. Like, my mind <laughs> was, like, just started racing. You know what I'm saying? It was, like, overwhelming. You know what I mean? Because you just had access all of a sudden and that came out of nowhere. Like, I really feel like it was, like, the way it hit me was, like, I remember one day there was no internet, and the next day there was internet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't remember like any build up to it or anything. Like this great thing is coming. I just remember like all of a sudden there was this thing that you could go online and like it was crazy. Like I could even look at like well at the time it was like girls in bikinis. That was damn near like, porn. but right you had away. access to that as a kid. You know what I'm saying? It was crazy. You could just go and you know, fucking you could type in a. a type in a word and get a whole definition or type in the name of a book and get everything about the book, you know? So it was like, it was just crazy how that happened. I really feel like something else like that is going to happen. That's just going to be like super overwhelming again. And, 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 and all that does, it just, it starts to make you think of different concepts and become way more innovative. And it just speeds yeah. up, you know, our thought process in our minds, you know? And it's crazy. This dude, I think Rake, I can't remember, he has a, Ray, I can't remember his last name, but he has that movie, Singular. I mean, uh, Transcended Man, that documentary, and it's retarded because he talks about this concept of singularity and just like looking at like if you take it, if you chart like from going back like hundreds and hundreds of years, and you and you chart like the the growth of technology, the exponential growth, and how fast it's going, like it's almost gonna go to this point to where it's just like insane, and you almost have to like figure out other types of ways to tap in to the technology because it's going to be so um so rampant so abundant and it's going to be just so much information coming at us even though the process everything and you're just going to have to you know it's going to be insane and that right guy now, that guy is uh ray kurtzwill from anybody yeah, wondering Kurtz, wow. yeah That's yeah I, I just got to say that you know it just going back to what you were saying about the you know the internet and stuff you know i just don't see like Without the internet, where like a kid like Joey Badass would be able to kind of put out his music and and reach an audience. I mean, back when you worked at MTV, like, I, you know, I don't, I don't see a video like that Survival Tactics video being shown, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon on Yo MTV Raps nah, or, or something changed, like that. It changed the game. There got to be a lot of people with a lot of places that's so mad about the internet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because they just, it just, it just, you know, 
and that's just the way our society is. It's like we have these people that sit on these these high totem poles of power and they don't want to relinquish any of that power or access to anybody. You know what I'm saying? And they build illustrious careers off of that for themselves and there's no sense of sharing. You know what I mean? So it's like, man, when the internet came and and, I, and it's crazy that, that even the internet even got through. Like I'm surprised these these power hungry vultures even let that happen. Well they're but, still trying to stop it with, you know, SOPA and, and all that kind of stuff. They're trying right. to they're trying to fight, do whatever they can to censor and, and fight against it. That's, you know, just because, and, uh, you know, it seems to be driven, like you were saying, like by, you know, it's it, like the corporations trying to like just hold on to their ways to capitalize on the content. Yeah, and it's crazy because like, and there's a, everybody can eat, you know what I'm saying? And, and let, and what I like about it is like, let the real people, let the, when you, when you, when you try to monopolize stuff, it's because like, it's almost like out of a insecure not no security within your talents or in what you're doing that you will survive. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have confidence in my directing capabilities that regardless of how many cameras they ever put out, whatever access, whatever people can do, I feel like we'll always be good at that and we'll always stand out because that's what our talents are. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I feel like, you know, it's just be because of this access, corporations feel threatened because maybe they're not on as tight as they need to be on their shit to survive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, and, and they don't, but they don't want to relinquish that power. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy. Like this shit gets really, it's like really deep. It's like super deep, but it's true Renaissance right now. And it's, and it's a time I think young people should really take advantage of these resources and really understand how they can find their independence in this world to, to, in these tools to utilize, to be, to, to to be self-sufficient and successful you know what i'm saying and and be happy because at the end of the day like you know you have to live to be happy you know and it's no longer i think the time of of of, of living to like have to work to feel like you have to work for somebody i feel like there's enough acts out there where you could truly people can truly think about man what really makes me happy how can i do that how can i monetize it? and how can i live successfully That might have been the deepest filmed insert uh, music video and podcast interview ever. Chike is a, is uh, those guys are really smart and they're doing some really cool stuff. So and that they, they I'm, um, I'm happy that he I'm happy that he went that he was like kind of willing to go there. You know what I mean? Like it was, you know, sometimes people say like that's deep and that and that just means that like they don't really know what what was going on in the on the other end of it. But like I I'm happy that he he was willing to kind of kind of go down that path with us. Yeah, and in the podcast links, I will also link to a really cool video, which is, um, you know, he mentioned Channel Zero briefly, which is the Chicago Public Access show that is, you know, really legendary in hip-hop circles in Chicago. And uh, Cootie used to just uh, run around and film Kanye West back in like 2002 before Kanye West was Kanye West. And they've got a great video online of him in his studio in New Jersey, which is, you know, it's not, I mean, it just looks like an apartment. Um, and I don't think it's just like a promotional video for the episodes because mm -hmm. it just keeps kind of restarting. Um, but you could tell it's like really old. One of my favorite parts of it is because like it like cuts to one scene and like at the very beginning of the scene you hear go. <laughs> like <laughs> like it's like do what you're gonna do like uh i don't know it's just like really funny like it's really really old stuff and uh well um the, the, one of the, my favorite parts is when he's playing uh jesus walks uh but it's not him it is uh who who was it on the jesus walks he said before rhyme something? rhyme fest right and it's it's funny to hear that song because obviously uh you know that was one of Kanye West's first big hits, and uh, it's just him rapping on it. But in this one, it is you know a series of rappers, and they all start with um, you know they do that thing where they all start with the same line and then then you know continue off of that. Uh, and I think they they all start with the you know what the Midwest is line. So it's interesting to hear. And I love hearing earlier versions of songs. You know after they're you know kind of whittled down to their their final form that everybody knows. I'm pretty sure that those, yeah, those the that song is co-written by Rhymefest. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, um, 
Yeah, it's just it's just great to see people kind of before they because you, you you definitely still see like some of what Kanye is now kind of coming through during those older times, but it's uh, it's definitely a different persona. It's you know they say like fame and stuff changes people. It, I mean, it kind of kind of clearly does, right? Yeah, I mean, he yeah, seems like, so normal. At, he seems so normal back then. It just it, it's just so hard to like when when people are giving you that kind of recognition to not like react to it you know what i mean and so like but he seems to like question himself almost then he's like looking to everyone in the room like what's what do i do what do you think this is the best you think this sounds the best to you guys like what do you think people are gonna like like i don't think those are questions that kanye west now ever asks himself yeah so although it's you know it's interesting that um I'm always really interested in artists that are really involved in the technical side and, you know, different producers that I've, I mean, Kanye West is a producer, but he's also very involved in the pr- production side of things, technically speaking, like chopping up uh, beats and, you know, um, it's, it's just interesting to see him in that element, you know, surrounded by all this equipment, knowing that, you know, that's where he originally came from, from that technical side, um, which you, you, you get that with a lot of the really great producers. Like you also see there was a documentary that Jason Goldwatch did about um, the Neptunes and kind of their creative process and like them kind of in there with the equipment, like really like doing just kind of like doing their thing and, and you get that you get that same kind of feeling of like just just like kind of knowing knowing everything from in and out and I think that you kind of get that with Cootie and Chike too Chike especially because he's got like you know this uh, you know this training that he kind of has carried with him and he's he's always talking about you know just these these specific elements uh, that are important to him like typography and stuff you know you don't typically hear the term typography when you're talking to hip-hop directors and so uh, I think it's like those those technical elements that really uh, that kind of exists both in Kanye and, and also in in, in Cootie and Chike. And one last point on this, the you know the Chike was making the point of the di- kind of a generational difference um, in the way people work, and in, in that you know our generation uh, you know different than the generation before us, and and definitely our parents' generation. I think there's a generation in between there, probably technically. Uh, but it's uh, you know there's a, there's different attitudes about about working, and I think there's also a different attitude about um, technical things. I, I think in older generations there's a bit of uh, looking down on or a separation of management and people who do the technical stuff. I remember uh, sitting down with uh, and I will not name his name, but in a, in a class at Notre Dame very small uh, group with uh, a, a very high-powered executive guy who was sitting in a building that was named after him and the building was was huge and worth million tens of millions of dollars and you know our our thing was we were there asking him questions about his uh, process basically or about his life and his, his work and it was being filmed and he um, he was telling us about how you got to find the idea people, meaning you got to find the people who are not the technical people. And he kind of gestured to everybody else in the, who was behind the camera. He said, he said, these people are a dime a dozen. And I thought, well, A, that's a complete asshole thing to say in front of people who are, are, are right there. And B, I think that he's completely wrong, uh, especially nowadays. I mean, look at the most successful company of the 21st century, Facebook, built by a guy who is mired more than anybody probably in the technical details of of you know facebook and how it is made you know i can point to very very few examples of these you know these people who don't know how to code or do anything or or are completely separated from the the physical process of making something that just find people and then have success with it i think you really need you know our generation is very um in tune with the uh, technicality of making things and do, does not find that to be demeaning in any way. So anyway, that was and a you, complete you f- rant. No, but it's, it's, you find that in, and you find that almost as, especially in music videos and the, and the people who are, who are kind of going through the process that, you know, not, you're not getting directors who are like, uh, 
you know, just kind of like showing up to this, you know, just like figurehead directors who are who are not really doing anything. You know, the the people who are making the best stuff are the people who are involved in the process kind of the whole way and are, you know, not only directing it, but also working on the rotoscoping in the back end and making sure that things are perfect in the back end. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. it's the same it's the same kind of thing that goes on. And so um with that, I think uh I think we ought to swing it to to to, to PO dubs. Let's do our PO dubs. My pick of the week is by a band called Tenacious D. And the song is To Be the Best. And it's a video directed by Jeremy Connor. So the concept of this music video is that Tenacious D essentially breaks up because of the poor performance of the film Pick of Destiny. And while Jack Black goes on to become Hollywood Jack and, and make lots of money and, and essentially sell his soul, Kyle Gass is uh, committed to an insane asylum. Kyle proceeds to break out of the asylum and confront Jack Black at his giant mansion where he is eating um, with Val Kilmer and talking about working with Martin Scorsese. Kyle in his crazy state tries to kill Jack Black. Jack is saved by Val Kilmer who takes the bullet and saves, uh, saves the band. The band then goes on to try to immediately start recording and they're horrible. And so there is a uh, montage of them being trained by Dave Grohl and Josh Groban, and then they become great again. And the song, To Be The Best, is what accompanies this montage and also accompanies this explanation. That's a great pick, Doug. Thanks. It was, uh, I think so. Who doesn't love the D? Oh, man. They've been been around for so long. I mean, uh, if you look at that, remember that Kanye West video we are talking about? I mean, at that time... Tenacious D was already uh, was already huge. They you forget how long they've they've kind of been around. I know, and you also kind of like because like Jack Black has had his own kind of career too. That like I mean I look back on the days when like I had HBO and like I first got a TV in my bedroom and that I the, when I first got cable in my bedroom, one of the first things I watched was were those Tenacious D shorts on HBO, where they would like go and play at the bar and stuff. I mean they're they. They're, they are a major part of. Uh, they're our Weird Al, even though Weird Al's our Weird Al too. <laughs> well, for my pick of the week, uh, I've got one that screened at the Doomsday screening event uh, last Saturday, and I was just kind of blown away by this video. Um, and it is by an artist named Grimes, and the song is called Oblivion, and it's directed by Emily K. Bach, I believe that's how you pronounce her name. And the director of photography is Evan Proflowski. And the concept of the video is pretty simple. This uh, uh, Grimes, is, who is a, a, a single lady, just one person, is sort of in these kind of male-dominated spaces, such as a gym uh, as, and a football game and a, uh, I don't know, dirt bikes or I guess what would you call it? Like a, not a monster truck rally, but one of those like dirt bike like rallies. Motors, just like motorsports, I yeah, think they call motor it. Yeah, motorsports sports rally. And she has headphones on and she's going through and, and singing. Um, and she's in the stands interacting with people and, um, you know, in the... And also I, she's in like a room with a mosh pit of guys. I think it's a, a quick, not to cut you off, it's important to note that they're not only headphones, they're giant headphones. <laughs> giant and headphones, she's yeah. carrying a huge boombox as to like almost intentionally not be discreet. Right. So like, we, so like welcome audience interaction with her. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of interesting dynamics going on here. I think there's like a uh, definitely, obviously, a gender di- dynamic. Um, there's a dynamic of... Uh, people being watched versus watching. I mean, she's performing to a performance, and then you know she's performing in a crowd. But I think one of the things that makes this a really standout video is uh, a the cinematography. I mean, they make these spaces just feel not alien, but just a little spooky. I mean, you look at that dirt bike rally, and it is like a fifty thousand seat stadium, and it just feels very, um, very atmospheric. And even the even the high school football game, but I think that what makes this really work is the Miss Grimes herself. Well, she's not, her name's not Grimes; it's her pseudonym, obviously. But uh, is her sort of personality and interaction with people? Because they what they did, I think, very smartly is left in a lot of these really kind of silly interactions she has with people. 
that make it very clear that she's not going in there to, you know, judge them and say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm here because, you know, sports are stupid and I'm cooler than that and I'm just kind of making fun of everybody. Uh, she really interacts with people and I, I think what comes across is that, you know, you know I love I love sports. I love these kind of spaces that she's in. Um, and the people are great too. I mean, uh, there's this great little moment at the beginning of the video that kind of sets the tone where she's walking down the hallway in the stadium and some girl kind of just like smiles and flips her, her hoodie over. And she like kind of looks, but then the song starts and she has to sing. So, um, you know, she's definitely not, um, you know, the, the uh, perspective is not, uh, I am you know, this hipster, sort of cooler-than-thou uh, person, and I'm just going into these lame-o spaces. And she even does say in an interview that, um, you know, she was, wasn't really into sports before, but she, uh, you know, understands why people like it now, you know. She had a lot of fun at these spaces. Um, and there's other, my other favorite scene is when she's kind of dancing with one of these, like, shirtless guys at the football stadium. And, you know, they're having fun, but they're having fun in two different areas. You know, the guy's at the football game and having fun, and she's kind of in her own little world with the headphones. So, um, it's a really, really, um, it's one of those videos you have to watch over, kind, of, kind of a few times. It's a, it's a several-time-over watcher, so check it out. It's Oblivion by Grimes, directed by Emily K. Bach. Great pick, Adam. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, it was probably one of my favorite ones during the the screening as well. There were there were a lot that were really great, but that one like it really kind of set the tone for that whole screening. You know what I mean? It was uh, you know, really kind of drew people in right away. It did. You can't take your eyes off. And I think you know videos that that um, present the artist in a really interesting not that's so you know banal to say, but really. Uh, make the artist's personality come through the video. I mean, it's, it sounds so easy, but it's so hard to do. And this video does just that. And that's, I think, where the really successful videos are. So um, awesome. Maybe we could talk to Emily K. Bach one time. I'd love to talk to her about this video. So That would be sweet. That if you're be... listening, Emily, give us a call. Or just answer the email I sent like 45 minutes ago. <laughs> Another video. Nothing.